are Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to the Locked On Blackhawks podcast, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Today is Friday, December 3rd. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at JackBushman2, or you could also check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Talk and Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And if you like what you're hearing today, then please be sure to go and follow the podcast. You can also go and leave me a review if you want to as well. It's all for free wherever you may listen to your podcast, whether that be through Apple Podcasts, Odyssey, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc. It's all for free, and if you follow the show right now, then you'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. Alright, good morning everyone as always. Thank you for tuning into today's episode of Lockdown Blackhawks and for making the show your first listen here to start your day. On tap for this morning, we have a beefy episode to get into, folks. I'll recap the Blackhawks. 4-3 win in a shootout last night to upset... The Washington Capitals, a hell of a way to kick off their three-game road trip out east. I'll also dive into goaltender Malcolm Subban getting traded to the Buffalo Sabres yesterday, plus a couple of other Hawks that could be on the move in the near future as well. And then to finish things off today, I'll get into three-time Stanley Cup champion Brent Seabrook switching over to the coaching side and joining the WHL's Vancouver Giants as an interim volunteer assistant coach, all right here on Locked On Blackhawks. But before I get into the good stuff, folks, I need to remind you all that today's episode is sponsored by Primal Origin Oils. Got beard? Get Primal. Stop the itch and make your beard look healthy and groomed. Check out PrimalOriginOils.com to learn more about their full line of beard care products and use the promo code LOCKDOWN, that's one word in all caps, for a 20% discount at checkout. Got beard? Get primal. All right, folks, getting into a recap of the Blackhawks. 4-3 to shootout win over the Washington Capitals last night. A great way to kick off that three-game road trip. I've been talking a bunch lately about how I think this stretch, these three games coming on the road, uh, two of them against a couple of the top teams in the Eastern Conference right now in the Washington Capitals and their next game taking on the New York Rangers. Those two, I think, especially are going to be really key for the Hawks. Well, now the game against Washington was over. That game obviously was really key, but so was the one uh, coming up against the Rangers. They're just big opportunities for the Blackhawks and Derek King to really show that they can hang with some of the best in the league this right now, I guess I should say, because so far this year, the Blackhawks just have not been able to hang with the big dogs, really. Every time they play a top team, they just weren't able to get much going and were dominated in most of the analytical categories. Going back through their schedule this year, whether it be under Derek King, whether it be under Jeremy Colleton, their record against top teams had not been very good. Not good at all, actually. Losses to Calgary, Edmonton, two to Carolina, uh, a bad 5-1 to loss to Winnipeg, which wound up getting Jeremy Colleton fired. Uh, they also lost to Toronto. They've lost to Colorado. So basically every time they played a top team, it wound up in a loss. So I thought this was just a really important game against Washington to see if the Blackhawks were truly improving under Derek King. And yeah, you know, they, they, are, they were 6-3 and three heading into last night's game, but... 
I think a lot of those wins, a couple of them you can for sure place on the goaltending. Marc-Andre Fleury has been tremendous since King has taken over as the interim coach. And also, they, they really haven't beaten some very good teams. Their resume isn't all that impressive. So, yeah, I mean, the team was playing better, and they were able to eke out some victories against some of the bottom feeders, like a, a 2-1 to win over the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, they get bailed out with a one nothing win against the Canucks by Flower pitching a 40-save shutout. So I just thought it was really important for the Blackhawks. Obviously, I wanted them to win the game, but more importantly, just to put up a good 60-minute fight against uh, a Capitals team that heading into Thursday night was 14-4-5 and and near the top of the standings in the Eastern Conference. So I thought it was really key for the Blackhawks to put together a good effort, and that's exactly what they did. But before I get into uh, the Blackhawks' impressive 60-minute performance, 60-plus-minute performance, I guess I should say, I want to start with talking about the Blackhawks' lineup decisions heading into this one. First, as expected, Marc-Andre Fleury was back in net. I saw that one coming. I talked about it in the crossover episode with Tyler Kewell from Lockdown Capitals. It just made a lot of sense for Flower to be in net for this one to start the road trip. So I completely agree with the decision to put him back in net last night. And without him and his luck with the goalpost, I'm not sure the Hawks would have been able to come away with two points. As for the rest of the lineup, though, uh, up front forward Josiah Slavin did wind up making his NHL debut. And what an impressive debut it was for Slave, and I'll get into that a little bit more uh, as we go through the show as well, but Josiah, I thought, looked really impressive in his first career NHL game, and he wound up getting into the lineup for Reese Johnson last night, which I honestly thought was a little bit interesting because um, I really expected Mike Hardman to be the one to draw out for the Hawks. He's Played very limited minutes the past couple of games that he's gotten in there. He served as the extra forward in the Blackhawks practice on Tuesday. And honestly, Reese Johnson, I mean, the last two or three games or so, Reese Johnson and that fourth line looked really sharp together. So I was just kind of like, really, Derek? Like, this this is the time to take out Reese Johnson? That left me uh, scratching my head a little bit. But, you know... It's just one game. I think Reese and the energy that he's provided will probably be back in there soon. Um, but it, it definitely was a little bit interesting to me that Slavin drew in there for Mike Hardman, uh, or drew in there for Reese Johnson and not Mike Hardman. On the back end for the Blackhawks, um, no Calvin DeHaan last night as he actually wound up missing the game due to that back soreness. He had not, not practiced in the past couple of days. And Derek King said that it's something that could cost him uh, the game against Washington, but hopefully he'll be able to go over the weekend. He did make uh, join the, the boys for the road trip, so he's out east with the team, and hopefully he'll be able to go in uh, at least one of those two games, those two back-to-back games in New York over the weekend. And join, joining Calvin DeHaan out of the lineup was Riley Stillman, who kind of shockingly, uh, he was back on the ice for the Blackhawks morning skate yesterday morning, and after practice, I, I thought he was just kind of going the Wyatt Kalanuck route, the Caleb Jones route, you know, just because someone's practicing with the team doesn't mean they're all that close. Kalanuck, Kalanuck practiced for about a week before he got sent to Rockford. Caleb Jones practiced with the guys for what felt like two or three weeks before officially returning to the lineup. So seeing Stillman out there for the morning skate, I, I really didn't think anything of it. I was like, oh, yeah, I mean, it, it's good, but he, he's probably not going to play on this road trip. Well, after the morning skate, Derek King actually deemed Stillman a game-time decision, but he didn't wind up, didn't wind up uh, 
making his return against the Caps. Hopefully, though, like Calvin DeHaan, <clears throat> Stillman will be good enough to go over the weekend. And that's a, I mean, when that injury happened, it looked like it could be a long-term absence for him out of the lineup. But instead, it looks like he's only going to miss a handful of games here and could potentially return on Saturday for the Blackhawks matchup against the Rangers. And when he does return, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens to this Blackhawks defense because that will put them at eight on their active roster with Wyatt Kalina, Caleb Jones, and Eric Gustafson all still around as well. Um, not sure if they're going to send Kalanuk to the AHL again or... Uh, that probably seems like the most likely scenario at this point, just because Eric Gustafson, I will say the past two or three games, he has definitely been playing better, but at the same time, uh, the the long-term plans with him aren't to keep him around. So it's going to be interesting what happens once Stillman and DeHaan are both healthy. And that will actually mark the first time this year where the Blackhawks have had all of their NHL defensemen healthy at the same time. So again, hopefully that will happen as soon as this weekend, once the Blackhawks hit New York. All right, getting into a quick recap of the Blackhawks 4-3 shootout win over the Capitals. As I said, this is going to be a beefy episode today, folks. Uh, But the first period Another impressive start by the Blackhawks, and that's really been, I think, a focal point under Derek King. At least, it's definitely been something they've improved, the team's improved upon since he's taken over with Jeremy. What ultimately wound up getting him fired was that game against Winnipeg. The Hawks were 1-8-2. They were needing a win on the road. They needed to come out of the gate with some fire, and what do they do? They allow two goals to the Jets in the opening two minutes. Since King has taken over, that really hasn't been too much of an issue. And last night against Washington, the Hawks put together another great start, which I think is really key for this team to have that fire right out of the gate and not let themselves get behind in the first few minutes. This isn't a team that's built to play from behind the entire way. You know, they like to play slow. They like to play boring, which is okay. It honestly gives them a better chance to win. So I'm okay with that. Um, But last night, it actually wasn't a uh, boring and slow start to the game like we've seen recently out of these Blackhawks. And for the entire way, really, this this one was filled with some up-tempo action and a lot of um, back-and-forth chances between these two teams. I thought this was one of the most entertaining games the Blackhawks have had this season. Back-and-forth action. Both sides were getting their chances. Both goaltenders were playing well. So it was, it was nice to have a Blackhawks game that was a little bit Uh, more high scoring and just had a lot of action and was just very entertaining from start to finish. And and the Blackhawks, they they came out strong in that first period. After 20 minutes, they led in most of the analytical categories. They had more shots, more shot attempts, more high danger chances. And I really liked their energy. I was really impressed by it. And in the final minute, they managed to grab a one to nothing lead as who else but Patrick Kane and Alex Dabrinkit to hook up on a two-on-one. Great backhand pass by Seth Jones through the neutral zone in order to create that chance. And Kaner finds his boy Cat for his 13th goal of the season, his ninth goal in the last 12 games to put the Blackhawks up one to nothing heading into the second period. And I thought that was a really big goal for the Hawks to get that one late in order to um, give themselves a little bit of a cushion heading into the second, which (laughs) unlike the first period, the second's been a little bit of a problem for the Blackhawks recently. It was on Saturday, Sunday, I can't remember. I think, yeah, it was Sunday against the San Jose Sharks. That second period was definitely their worst of the night. And I would probably say the same here against Washington. Um, A minute 10 in, Nick Dowd, uh, just a beautiful passing play by the Washington Capitals, honestly. Um, 
they executed a three-on-two perfectly. Every pass was tape to tape, and eventually Carl Hagelin set up Nick Dowd backdoor for the tap and No chance for Marc-Andre Fleury, and honestly, the Blackhawks' defense, I can't even really blame them on that one because it was just such a beautiful passing play. But right out of the gate in the second period, it was clear that the Blackhawks were on their heels. The Capitals had a lot more energy and a lot more pep in their step than they did in the opening 20 minutes. And uh, they eventually, not even eventually, a minute 10 into the second period, they wound up uh, tying the game 1-1 to on that goal from Nick Dowd, who, by the way, was probably the best Capital on the ice last night. I mean, the guy was everywhere. He had a goal. Um... He had a primary assist later on in the contest. He took a penalty. It was a crazy stat line for Nick Dowd, but he he was everywhere for Washington last night. Fortunately, the Blackhawks kind of weathered the storm there in that first 10 minutes of the second period, and in the second half of the second period were much better than they were in the early part. And Dominic Kubelik, folks, finally, finally was able to snap that 15-game goal drought the Blackhawks on the man advantage. They kind of switched it up on their power plays, by the way. Um, but to bring it in transition, finds Kubalik streaking to the net. He gets in alone and beats Capitals goaltender Vitek Vanacek with a shot, glove high, snapping the 15 game goal streak for his fourth goal of the season, the first for him since way back in October against the Detroit Red Wings, his first goal under Derek King. And man, that one had to feel good for Kubi. Still no goals at 5-on-5, five five, but any goal that he can get right now, I mean, he'll certainly take it. Uh, so good to see Kubi back on the stat sheet. Uh, and that was also not only his first goal in well over a month, but it was also the Blackhawks' first goal <clears throat> on the power play since November 12th against the Arizona Coyotes. So nearly a month in between goals for the Blackhawks man advantage Kubelik hadn't scored in over a month a couple of droughts snapped right then and there for the Hawks and that also put them back ahead 2 to 1 in the second period unfortunately they weren't able to hang on to the lead for all that long as Evgeny Kuznetsov and Alexander Ovechkin connected Kuznetsov with uh, a beautiful uh actually Ovechkin shot from the point rang off <clears throat> rang off the post, and uh, Kuznetsov did an excellent job of kind of getting lost in coverage behind Seth Jones and Henrik Borgstrom and just found the um, the loose puck behind Flower. One of the only times on the night, the actually the, the single time on the night that the goalpost did some damage to Marc-Andre Fleury. Ovechkin shot, rings off the post. Fleury thinks he has it behind him, but it just sneaks out, and Kuznetsov was right there to to tap in the loose change. And with just two and a half minutes to go in the second period, the Blackhawks surrendered their lead, letting Washington tie the game up once again 2-2. Two to two. And that was a little bit of a backbreaker. The Capitals in the second period really got those momentum goals. Dowd just a minute in, and then Kuznetsov to kind of deflate the Hawks uh, with two and a half minutes left was able to tie the game. I thought that was a big one. The Blackhawks did get a power play, though, in the final seconds of the second period. And with 50 seconds left, uh, they weren't able to capitalize in the second period, but they had 50 seconds of power play time remaining as they went into the third. I was really hoping that they were going to come out of the gate, move the puck well, and at least create some chances and, and kickstart their momentum for the rest of the third. That didn't happen. They weren't able to get anything going, and then right as the penalty expired, Patrick Kane 
tries to make a backhand uh, sauce pass in the offensive zone on the entry. Nick Dowd, the guy who I talked about a moment ago, made a beautiful play to intercept that pass. Springs Garnett Hathaway, who literally just stepped out of the penalty box. Dowd finds him for a breakaway. And then Hathaway just snuck a shot past Marc-Andre Fleury. I think it snuck through his armpit. Um, and less than a minute in, again, another tough momentum goal for the Blackhawks to allow, and the Capitals were able to grab their first lead of the night, 3-2 to two in the third period, and I thought, oh man, this game, it, at, when that goal ha- occurred, when Hathaway scored, it, I was just thinking about how this game from the Hawks felt so similar to the one against Calgary a couple weeks ago, you know, a really good effort for 40 minutes, uh, they had the lead, they were fighting hard. Everything was looking good. A pretty back-and-forth game. Pretty close for both sides. But the Capitals were able to get the big goal in the third period, just like Calgary was. But fortunately for the Blackhawks, Washington scored early in that third period, and they had their chances to come back. They put together a strong fight down the stretch, and with about eight minutes to go, Josiah Slavin dances around the Capitals' defenders to enter the offensive zone, finds the trailer Seth Jones at the point, and he buries a shot, a bullet from Jones at the blue line, beats Vanacek glove high for his third goal of the season, ties the game 3-3 three to three late in the third, a huge goal from Seth Jones, who had just a mammoth performance in this one, led the Blackhawks in time on ice, led them in shots, blocked, picked up his third goal. He had an assist earlier in the game as well. He was everywhere. And with Connor Murphy out, by the way, Connor Murphy took a huge hit from Alexander Ovechkin earlier in the game, earlier in the first period. His head didn't look like a dirty hit from Ovechkin. He did kind of take a run at him, though, and it looked like Murphy just kind of whiplashed his head against the glass. He was forced to exit the game early, did not return. Still not much of a medical update on Murphy, but the Blackhawks were down to five defensemen for the rest of the way, and for them to put this effort together with only five defensemen, it was seriously impressive, and Seth Jones was one of the guys that really stepped up on the back end for the Hawks last night. A huge game-tying goal, his third of the season, and that wound up being enough. The Blackhawks hang on in the final minutes, Washington was kind of, uh, it was slap shot regatta out there for Marc-Andre Fleury, but he made a couple of big saves. He got uh, some help from the post and regulation as well, and the Blackhawks managed to tie the game and force overtime to secure at least one point on the night. And in OT, OT was crazy again. Both teams had their chances. Vanacek and Fleury each made big stops, and for the second time this year, the Blackhawks headed into a shootout to decide the the final outcome, and Mark Andre Fleury didn't. He only had to make one stop in OT, or, or he only had to make one sh- uh, stop in the shootout. Excuse me, because the first two tries by the Capitals from uh, Evgeny Kuznetsov and Daniel Sprong, both of them rang off the goalpost. It was actually unbelievable how many times Washington hit the post last night. I think it it was at least five or six, but possibly even more. The Blackhawks caught a handful of breaks. Both Kuznetsov and Sprung hit the post in the shootout. Patrick Kane comes up and finds a way to beat Vanacek. Ovechkin, with the game on his stick, comes down one-on-one with Fleury. And Mark Andre makes another big stop on Ovi. He had a couple in regulation, but none as big as this one to secure the win for the Blackhawks in the shootout, four to three, to get them the extra point. A huge 
upset win over the Capitals to kick off this road trip. I couldn't be more proud of this team for the way they fought down the stretch. They were, everything was against them. They were down Connor Murphy. Jonathan Taves, might I add, also wasn't able to buy his first goal. He hit the the post once. Vanacek robbed him on another. The Blackhawks haven't been good on the road so far this season. They hadn't been good going up against top teams, but they fought hard down the stretch. They wound up getting this one to a shootout, and they they wind up picking up the extra point. It it put a smile on my face. So not only was it an incredibly entertaining and high-scoring game, a lot of back-and-forth action, but the Blackhawks also managed to pick up the victory and, and that puts their record now at seven and three under interim coach Derek King. I think it's he's proven uh that the change from behind the bench is working for this Blackhawks team and they now move to eight twelve and two on the season. Certainly a long way from one nine and two to open up the season. Seven and three again under Derek King. A big win over the Washington Capitals to kick off this road trip. And hopefully that will get the boys going as they head up to New York for a big back to back this weekend. All right, there is my recap of the Blackhawks. 4-3 shootout win over the Washington Capitals last night. Coming up in just a minute, I am going to get into the Buffalo Sabres acquiring goaltender Malcolm Subban from the Chicago Blackhawks, as well as a couple other Hawks players that have been rumored to be on the trade market as well. But first, I need to talk to you all about Primal Origin Oils. Got beard? Get Primal. If you or someone you care about has a beard, then they need to get Primal. Maybe you're the guy that has never considered the benefits of treating your beard with product. Well, Primal Origin Oils will stop the itch and will make your beard look healthy and groomed. Primal Origin Oils makes balms, oils, and whipped butters that are known as the best feel and beard products available. This is due to the exotic carrier blend with oils like raspberry seed, rosehip, and chia seed oil. All products are fair trade certified as well and handcrafted right here in the USA. And we know that every company claims to have the best, but Primal Origin Oils challenges you to compare their ingredients to all the other companies that you've used in the past. And we promise you will see and feel the difference. And remember the code locked on one word gets you 20% off at primaloriginoils.com. Use the code locked on at checkout for 20% off at primaloriginoils.com. I also need to talk to you all about Built Bar, which is the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. This holiday season, grab a protein bar filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with decayed in flavor and covered in chocolate, but also amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat, and also high in protein. You can get the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy. And there's so many flavors, you'll have a hard time choosing. Will you go with raspberry or mint brownie? Cherry or double chocolate? Cookies and cream or peanut butter brownie? Built Bar gives you all the flavors and also gives you that extra fuel that you need to bust down those mall doors and battle all the holiday shoppers. Or if you're just standing in endless shopping lines, Built Bar can give you that extra something to keep you going. Do you like some of those marshmallowy treats around the holidays? Then you need to be sure to check out Built Bar Puffs. They're light, fluffy and marshmallowy through and through they're incredible built bar just sent me a bunch of their different puffs i got ruby chocolate uh i got caramel almond caramel almond delight these built bar puffs are are 
really good, and honestly, they're kind of nougaty. They almost taste like a Three Musketeers bar. I can't believe these things are healthy for you. And as I mentioned, they got different flavors all of which are covered in 100% real chocolate. And they taste so good, you won't even believe they're filled with protein. For a limit, limited time offer, go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your first order. Once again, that's BuiltBar.com with the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next Built Bar order. Welcome back to the Locked On Blackhawks podcast. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. Getting into segment two now, I wanted to be sure also to talk on the show today about the latest trade that the Chicago Blackhawks made, which was sending goaltender Malcolm Subban to the Buffalo Sabres yesterday in exchange for future considerations. So still not sure what's going to be coming back to the Blackhawks in this deal. Uh, I would guess probably a later round pick, maybe a fifth or a sixth if I had to guess. Um, But of course, that's just an estimate. I'm not sure at all what Buffalo is going to be giving back. It could, in fact, be nothing, although I doubt that's the case here, which I'll get into in just a second. But more importantly, just got to say I'm really happy here for Malcolm Subban because I talked about this all throughout training camp and all preseason long. There was just no need for this guy to, to be here still. I mean, with the Blackhawks going and getting Marc-Andre Fleury in the offseason, Kevin Lankinen was obviously going to be the backup after the rookie campaign that he had. So for the Blackhawks to have both Colin Delia and Malcolm Subban still around, I just, I really didn't see the point of that. And I, I thought they would be um, a little bit more aggressive to move one of those two guys in training camp and in the preseason, um, maybe they didn't get the offer that they wanted, or maybe there weren't really any suitors that made sense or something at that time. Uh, but I just thought it was weird for the team to, or for, especially for the Rockford IceHogs, to head into the season with both Colin Delia and uh, Malcolm Subban on their roster. Neither of those two should be in the AHL at this point of their careers. They both have shown enough to be backups at the NHL level. So I'm definitely happy that Subban's going to get that opportunity with the Buffalo Sabres. They've had a ton of trouble in net this year. Uh, Dust- Dustin Tokarski hasn't been getting the job done recently. Aaron Dell's put up some horrendous numbers too. So it sounds like Subban's going to get a-, a real opportunity there. I think Tokarski also just got put in COVID protocol. So it could be a, a Subban's debut with the Sabres. Could happen any day now, so I'm glad he finally gets that opportunity. Unfortunately, it took until now for him to get that chance that he deserves with another NHL team, but with the way that he's performed for the Blackhawks in the past couple of years, it hasn't been great, but he's certainly had his games where you're like, okay, th- this guy deserves to be up at the NHL. The one game that stands out immediately was the lone Blackhawks victory over the Tampa Bay Lightning last year. Malcolm Subban was tremendous in net for that one, and uh, he actually got the job done in the shootout as well to get the Hawks that uh, shootout victory. So uh, Subban deserves to be here. Wasn't <laughs> He had no business being down in Rockford. He'll finally get this opportunity. So for the Blackhawks to make that trade, it just made a ton of sense. And I talked about this on kind of my quick recap of the trade that I posted on Twitter, but why not get some sort of asset for Malcolm Subban at this point. And honestly, they could be probably thinking the same about Colin Delia too. With Arvid Soderblom down in Rockford, he's really the only guy down there that I think they have plans for in the future. I mean, Kale Morris, obviously, if he progresses, they'd, they'd love to. They love for that. But Arvid Soderblom, they signed him this past offseason, one of the top 
goaltenders overseas that was on the market. They signed him because they think he can be a future NHL piece. And with the way they've handled Subban and Delia the past couple of years, the same really couldn't be said for either of those two. So it just made a ton of sense for the Blackhawks to get whatever they could for Subban at this point. Um, but the reason I really do think it's going to be probably a fifth or sixth round pick or just some sort of actual asset that they'd be getting in return rather than just nothing. I know that can be the case with future considerations sometime, but the Blackhawks. Malcolm Subban wasn't counting against their current cap hit, so it's not like moving him really helps them all that much financially. And while he was one of their 50 players available with uh, NHL contracts, the Blackhawks only have 44 out of those 50 filled right now. So it's not like they needed to move one of those deals in order to go out and get somebody. So, and also considering that the Buffalo Sabres were desperately needing a goaltender, it just wouldn't make sense for the Blackhawks in this situation to get nothing in return. So I, I understand that future considerations can literally mean anything, but I think in this instance, the Blackhawks are going to get an actual asset with some value here. Again, I'd guess probably a fifth or sixth round pick. And if that is what they wind up getting for Subban, I will take that eight days of the week. Again, why not get an asset for Subban? He was just rotting away in Rockford. I mean, that's not the place he needed to be. The Blackhawks just kind of have a little uh, logjam going on at the goaltender position. Unless Flurry or Lankinen went down, Subban wasn't going to be up at the NHL with the Hawks for this entire season. He wasn't going to have a future here probably after his contract expired, so... This just makes a lot of sense and multiple different reasons for both sides. The Buffalo Sabres needed a goaltender and the Blackhawks needed to get rid of one of theirs. So the two sides come to an agreement. Right now, it's still future considerations. But if I had to guess, I do think that the Blackhawks will be getting a later round pick in return for Malcolm Subban at some point. One other thing I needed to be sure to talk about in regards to trade discussions with the Chicago Blackhawks is yesterday, Frank Saravalli posted... Uh, a list of, I think it was 15 names. Let me, let me find it here real quick. Uh, it was, yeah, Frank Saravalli posted a list of 15 names in play that could be trade targets as we start to creep towards uh, the NHL trade deadline. I know it's not for a couple months, but once you get into December and get into the holiday season, those are really when the trade discussions start to ramp up. And out of those 15 names that Frank Saravalli wrote about in his article yesterday, two of them were members of the Chicago Blackhawks. Checking in at number eight was forward Dylan Strome, and coming in at number 14 was Henrik Borgstrom. We'll start with Strom, though, first. Obviously, not a huge surprise that he made this list. I mean, there have been trade discussions surrounding Strom really since the start of the season, and the Blackhawks, whether it be under Jeremy Colleton, especially under Jeremy Colleton, though, they were really reluctant to give him any sort of opportunity. Uh, And with Derek King, they've given him his chances. They're giving him a huge chance right now on the second line with Kirby Dock and Alex Dabrinkit, and I thought Dylan Strom looked pretty decent for the most part. Um, He created a huge opportunity for Kirby Doc on a two-on-one, but again, Doc continues to have that aggressive mentality with the puck on a stick in the offensive zone and just tried to return it right back to Stromer uh, when he definitely should have put that puck on that. He could have picked high glove. He could have picked high blocker. Instead, he tried to make the fancy play and gave it back to Dylan, which 
unfortunate because Stromer worked hard in order to create that chance for Doc, and he just has to shoot that puck. But regardless, getting back to Strom, I thought he put together a good effort last night. I hope he continues to get a look in the Blackhawks' top six, but if things don't work out there for Stromer in the next couple of weeks, I do think the Blackhawks are probably going to be trying to trade him because they don't want him in their lineup in a defensive role. Derek King's made it pretty clear, not only by healthy scratching him a couple times, but he even vocally expressed to the Blackhawks media that um, putting Strom in a fourth-line role or in a third-line defensive role with, you know, grinders playing alongside him, that just isn't a situation that he's going to succeed in. He's an offensive-minded guy. He needs to be playing with playmakers. So if it doesn't work out in the next couple of games here with DeBrinket and Doc on that second line, and also if he's not really able to do much with his chances on the Blackhawks man advantage as well, I really do think they're going to start considering more and more about trading him because it it would just make sense for him at this point to get a different look if he's not going to be clicking with these type of guys. It's been a tough past couple couple years for Strom. I personally don't want to trade him, but this is kind of his last chance, I really think, to prove to the Blackhawks organization that he can be part of the core going forward. This this is the exact position he needs to be in and should have been in for the past couple seasons, playing a consistent top six role. But now he gets this opportunity. I really think he has to make the most of it, or I, I do believe the Blackhawks are really going to consider moving him before this year's trade deadline. As for Henrik Borgstrom, this was a little bit interesting because uh, I really... Prior to this, I hadn't heard many rumors about the Blackhawks shopping Borgstrom, Um, but to be fair, he was a Stan Bowman guy. Bowman obviously was the one to make that trade with the Panthers last year at the deadline where they got Stillman and Henrik Borgstrom, a a really lopsided deal, honestly, for the Blackhawks. Um, But Borgstrom so far this season, he's had troubles, you know, staying in the lineup. He had problems with COVID. but when he's he, when he's been given his opportunities, he really hasn't done all that much with them. And um, as the third-line center, I, I really don't think he's done too much to be impressive. He's been all right, but I also don't think he's been great. So I do understand the whispers of maybe thinking about getting um, <clears throat> a future asset in exchange for Borgstrom, especially because Kyle Davidson's now in there as general manager. Stan Bowman's obviously not. Um, but personally, I think it's just a little bit too early to give up on Borgstrom. I mean, this guy didn't play in the NHL last year. He, he still has limited games in his arsenal. I think the the better choice here for Borgie would be to just give him the entire season, and then if he's still not looking good, if you're still not convinced that he can be a solid NHL player one day, then I think that would be the more appropriate time to trade him because I'm just sick of trading young guys after they they put together a tough, you know, 20-game stretch. Like, 20 games isn't enough to know whether or not this is going to work. So I think the Blackhawks trading Borgstrom now, I got to get a drink of water here real quick. Excuse me, folks. Trading Borgstrom now, I think, would just be doing a little bit of a due diligence and not doing enough homework on him to know if he actually could be a good player one day or not. So I was a little surprised, definitely, to see Borgstrom on this list. I just think it's a little bit too early personally. If I had to go about it, I think I would give Borgstrom this entire season. If it doesn't work out, then move him as an RFA because he's still got one more year on his deal. He's cheap, and you could probably move him fairly easily for some sort of middle-round pick asset in return. Um, But we'll have to see what happens there. But I just thought it was interesting that Henrik Borgstrom joined Dylan Strom on Frank Zaravalli's 15 names in play as we head into the holiday season. 
All right, there are the latest trade rumors surrounding the Chicago Blackhawks. Coming up in just a minute, I will get into defenseman Brent Seabrook switching over to coaching and joining the WHL's Vancouver Giants as an interim volunteer assistant coach. But first, I need to talk to you all about Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered all season on more props, odds, and lines than ever before. As football season continues to march towards the playoffs, Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. And head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. 50%! You just have to use our promo code. Locked on, one word in all caps, to receive your 50% welcome bonus. From basketball, football, the NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, we're back here on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, getting into segment three now before I let you all go enjoy the rest of your Fridays. I also wanted to be sure to mention that Blackhawks three-time Stanley Cup champion defenseman Brent Seabrook yesterday, it was announced that he will be joining on with the WHL's Vancouver Giants as an interim volunteer assistant coach. The first coaching gig of Brent Seabrook's post-playing career. So congrats to Brent Seabrook for getting involved in the game in other ways. Joining on with the Vancouver Giants. He's a former WHL boy. Didn't play for Vancouver. He played for uh, the Lethbridge Hurricanes for quite a few seasons before making the jump to professional hockey. Um, but but good for Seabrook for getting involved and for the Tampa Bay Lightning for letting this happen. Good, good on them. Um, Seabrook has obviously a lot of experience. He was the vocal leader of the Blackhawks for over a decade. Jonathan Taze was the leader on the ice, but in that locker room, Brent Seabrook was the voice. So obviously he's got a ton of experience. He's done everything you need to do in hockey, won a gold medal, three-time Stanley Cup champion. I mean, the guy's done it all. So with that amount of experience, I mean, he obviously has a lot to give back to the game of hockey and especially to young kids who are trying to make that next step in their careers. Who else would you rather have as a mentor than Brent Seabrook, a guy who did it all at the highest levels in the sport? So good on Seabs. I'm very happy for him that he's able to make this next transition into uh his post-playing career. I'm sure it's probably not been the easiest transition for him going from playing night in and night out for 12, 13, 14 years for the Blackhawks. I mean, the guy was an absolute warrior um, and didn't miss any games throughout his career until he had those problems later on. So um, it's probably hasn't been easy for Siebes, I imagine, going going through that transition, but now he gets to still be close to the game, gets to help out a ton, ton of youngsters, and it's just a really cool thing, I think, for Seabrook that he's going to be able to join on. I don't know how long this is going to be. Again, it's just as a interim volunteer position. Not sure if it's going to be through the remainder of the year, and then maybe uh, they'll sign him on for to the coaching staff going forward, or if he's going to join on with another club somewhere in junior hockey, or I don't know. But um, maybe this could be the start of a, a coaching career for Brent Seabrook, which I think would be pretty cool. So one more time, congratulations to Brent Seabrook for joining on 
with the Vancouver Giants, and I'm definitely excited to see how he progresses. He said he was a little nervous out there. Uh, there was a pretty cool like one-minute clip where, where he was just talking about uh, his feelings on joining the team and everything. So cool to see Seabrook back active in the game of hockey, and uh, I hope to see more videos like that throughout his time with the Vancouver Giants. One other thing I wanted to be sure to mention on today's show, folks, since we're talking about former Blackhawks, this one's not even close to as prestigious as Brent Seabrook, but recently the Blackhawks uh, let forward Adam Gaudet, they put him on waivers, went on to get claimed by the Ottawa Senators, and in his Ottawa Senators debut earlier this week, folks, in his first game, Gaudet found the back of the net. Against who? His former team in the Vancouver Canucks, the same team that the Chicago Blackhawks scratched him against, not once, but twice in his short stint here in Chicago. One last season, one this year, and that one hurt in, in multiple different ways. Not only seeing Gaudet in his debut, getting a chance on the power play, which I think the Blackhawks should have been doing when they were going through those man, man advantage struggles earlier on in the season. They put Ryan frickin' Carpenter on the power play over Adam Gaudet. And in his first game with the Ottawa Senators, he scores a power play goal. Unbelievable. Sometimes these things just write themselves, folks. As an Adam Gaudet stand. All my listeners out there probably know I have some slight bias towards Adam Gaudet, but I always really liked his offensive game, and I, I really thought he was someone that could have helped this Blackhawks struggling offense if they had put him in the right situation. That never happened. They wind up putting him on waivers, trying to get him down to Rockford, maybe also just trying to get him the opportunity that he deserved, I think, in the back of their minds. Uh, at least the coaching staff, maybe not the front office guys, but the coaching staff, they, they said that they, they were hoping, or at least they knew Gaudette was probably hoping that he'd get claimed and given another opportunity. And he made the most of it in game number one for the Ottawa Senators, scoring a goal against his former team, Vancouver. Why would the Blackhawks not play him against the Canucks? You don't think this guy would be out there juiced to go and, and prove this team wrong? A team that he's kind of had some issues with in the past? I don't understand that at all. So watching Gaudette, score that goal really hurt my heart because I, I really think he could have helped this Blackhawks team if they were a little bit more patient and a little bit more willing to use him correctly, but so be it. That's the way that cookie crumbles. I do wish Adam Gaudet all the best in his time with uh, the Ottawa Senators and going forward throughout the rest of his NHL career because he seemed like a really good dude. He kept a good mindset throughout a, a tough stretch, uh, a stretch where Heading into the season, a lot of people thought Adam Gaudet was going to be the breakout player for the Blackhawks, and a lot of people thought he was going to be a huge difference maker in that bottom six, and I'm sure Gaudet thought that himself as well, considering after how he finally got healthy this offseason, he added like 15 pounds of muscle or something. It seemed like it was going to be a time for him to pop off here in Chicago, and it just wound up not happening. So uh, if it doesn't happen in Chicago, you know, if it happens somewhere else, it's going to be a tough pill to swallow, but I will be happy for the guy because in the back of my mind, I know that I was aware of the skill set that Adam Goddad had. So tough that the Blackhawks gave him up for scot-free. I think that was a mistake, um, but so be it. Adam Goddad with a goal in game number one for the Ottawa Senators continuing to give me nightmares on all the moves that the Blackhawks have made. I don't think they'll be saying the same about Malcolm Subban. I think that was a, a good move, but man. That's a move that the Blackhawks, I, I think they might look back on and be like, we really gave that guy up for nothing. Could be a tough pill to swallow one day. Hopefully not, not to, 
wish bad things upon Adam Gaudet or anything. As I said, I'm an Adam Gaudet stan. I want the guy to do well. But I also don't want to be haunted by this move for the next five to ten years. So, um, tough to see Gaudet score a goal in game one. A couple of former Blackhawks doing, doing big things as we head into the weekend. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I think that will wrap up Friday, December 3rd's episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. Thank you again for tuning into the show, and be sure to follow the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast for free right now on your favorite podcast app, and you can get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. And after the show, be sure to go and check out the Lockdown Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. You can get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and even Lee Sterling's lock of the day by simply following the Lockdown Bets podcast. It's free and available on all platforms, so be sure to check out Lockdown Bets right now wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, thank you for tuning into today's episode. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can catch me on Twitter at my personal account, at JackBushman2, or you could also check out my Strictly Blackhawks account, at Talkin' Hockey, for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And for any questions at all regarding anything related to the show, Mailbag Monday is coming up soon, so be sure to email LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com. You can also hit me on any of my Twitter accounts, or you can call 708-653-0572 to leave a voicemail. So until tomorrow's episode, yes, there will be an episode coming out tomorrow once again, folks. But thank you again for listening to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.